Are we are we picking up Rich with him being that? Far? Oh well, I'm just, I thought we were just. No, I thought we were just talking. Oh, we already started. Oh, we started. Okay, okay. I was like, yeah, we just. Yeah. But. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I I don't know. Um, I I don't like. <laughs> People playing magic games, you know. So think, yeah, yeah. So this is another episode of No Deep Shit. Um, I have with me two people that assisted in raising me in the punk and skinhead scene. Um, I have I have two uh, pretty cool stories about how I I met both of y'all individually. Um, but so we have. Deirdre, the Houston OG skin who who helped raise me, who does Two Birds Productions, been booking shows and, and keeping shows going on in the Houston scene for years. We also have Rad Rich of Rad Rich's Rock and Soul Review. Amongst other things. Uh, amongst a lot of other things. Um, who... I mean, has been going to shows and holding it down since the mid-80s? 84, 85? Yeah. yeah. So, a so, little bit before my time. <laughs> Not so, too much. I'll find out it's so, it's so funny because, um, um, so I put on shows before on the first punk metal show. Because yeah. people, people forgot how, like, it was this hatred between, like, punk and metal. I mean, if you're a metal dude... You know, you hated the punks. You know, they show up at the show and they show up at the the melodies show up at the at the spandex pants and oh, yeah. parachute stuff. You know, curvy hair. And we're like, man, tell what you do. What's up? You know, just I seen. You know, and it was, it, it, and I did it because it's all this, all this fighting amongst themselves. When you know both scenes, you know, you know everybody likes kiss, so to speak. You know, so it was that, that those bands that were crossover that yeah. we both liked. And it didn't make any sense to be fighting each other. But it was like this real hatred at the time. Yeah. And um, Have you seen Heavy Metal Parking Lot? No. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's this, like, 80s documentary filmed in the parking lot of a heavy metal show in the 80s. And a good chunk of them are just dudes getting drunk, talking shit about punkers. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, I, I have to look that up. It's entertaining to watch. Because I've watched a lot of documentaries. It, I haven't it, run it across it. Oh, it's, it's good. It's good. <laughs> but saying that, it doesn't... It, people don't remember how much it was hard to get... Couldn't get shows. The metal the metal hits, and the, and it's, it wasn't as many venues as you have now. Yeah. I mean, if you were... Um, um, you are playing punk rock... You only had one club. See him? Axiom Cabaret Voltaire. Okay. Uh, if it's a big show, maybe in numbers. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Okay, but, yeah. you know. Um, Definitely not were, on a Friday night. Though. Yeah. And you couldn't. You couldn't and, and people take it for granted that it was like all these places that, you know, that you play. And when you played the metal clubs, you're always going to get you're always going to get crap from the um, uh, from the metalheads, yeah. you know, but DRI and verbal abuse. Um, well, those corros- were crossover corros- bands. Corrosion of the conformity. Yeah. They kind of crossed that gap, mm-hmm. you know, because, uh, and on the flip side of it, um, Anthrax, York, mm-hmm. uh, Metallica for the most part, you know, yeah. all those all those guys that were taking stuff from from punk rock, you know, and making it own. 
New York bands were in a period where most of the New York bands are Knox Front, uh, uh, Crumb Suckers. They all, they all, they all made it part of their family. You know, the, the whole crossover metal scene. Yeah. And when bands tour uh, from New York, it was something special because it wasn't, it wasn't a, um, we're a hard, we're, hard, we're not a hardcore band. We're not a punk band. We're a band from New York. Yeah. And well, no, I matter, no matter if you're playing hip hop or whatever, yeah. you're a band from New York you stay together. That was, what so, that was what I thought was so cool about the New York scene. So uh, okay, so it's it's interesting you you mentioned that I I remember looking at a lot of old New York flyers and being like okay that's how it's done I see right. like the the diversity yeah. and just like the different types of music coming together for a, a show, but um, so Deirdre first approached me about doing this episode because I I mean she she pointed out that there's not really especially for Houston not any episodes podcasts talks about what the black experience is like uh in the punk and skinhead subcultures in right. houston coming up and so um it was very different for us i mean like i've never sat down with Rick, david or aj um to find out how they got a culture lifestyle first place because it back then i mean it's usual now like you go to a show and we're not the only black people. Yeah. You know, and that, I think it still shocks black people. How many black people are at shows now? And I mean, like we have Afropunk now and stuff like that. And these big production bands that are all over the place that are all based black community. That's not something that. Have. And you say that and like. Black people are still the the gross mi minority at shows. Like, yeah. like you're talking about like there being more people. Like, I, 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 uh, it's still majority white. You know, I mean, Houston's mm -hmm. more of a diverse city and scene altogether. But so, I mean, I, I've literally been a black girl. Like the only black people who I show. Well, hey, me, Chris, crazy Chris. Chris is a little closer to me. Hmm. This facility wasn't out. Came from a different background than all. Well, I mean, I don't know about all the rest. Of yeah. I just know. So he was really, I don't even know how he is. It was always, I never thought about it when I was younger because we were all kind of like trying to make it through. Well, the, the part that, that really is, oh, like the Afropunk deal, you, know, you get more shit from your own community than you do from the right. uh, the. Oh, oh, and yeah. that was one. Of, that was one of the striking things that you know I feel like family was like in the punk scene, or the in his scene wasn't really his scene. But um, I felt more at home there, and it, and that's what punk was like. Uh, the rejects from your regular fa your regular family you know, yeah. because nobody, I mean. Nobody's wearing vans like the tiny room going to school. Nobody did that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and um wrestling. You couldn't go to the mall and get vans either. You know? Yeah. You couldn't go get Doc Martens. All that stuff, um, hard, you have to seek out. Because now you can you can you know, you want to be a punk rock or skinhead or something like that, you can go to you can go to the family store and buy your clothes and yeah. oh. order it online. And it's right. done, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, like, and not not putting yeah. it down or anything, but um um, 
um, I've always, when I went to shows, um, it's always like the other black person there, you know. Uh, and, but, you always get kind of mad, like, yeah. No, yeah, no, no. I was like, I was, I was, I was like, you know, like my, when Anna and the twins. Oh, well, I used to, I used. For real? I, yeah, Anna's not. Yeah, Anna, they're like. Um, but I thought they were. Yeah. And for a long time. Uh. Because I was because one was in punk rock and one, was basically. Mm -hmm. So it's like you would see one at the punk show, yeah, and then you would see the other one. And so <laughs> I did, I did until they showed up at a show together. I'm like, oh damn, this dude is my. You just thought they were code switching, just. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then, then finally went. Yeah. Then I thought they were. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, for a long time, I not believe that I did not know that there was. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is that I know that Anna had conversation about it because I would go up. I talked to her about like at the sh last show and I was like, hey, at the last show, you know, we were. And she was like, oh. <laughs> or she would look at me weird and kind of be like, uh-huh. Yeah. And I did this for you. I don't even know how long it went. I, I really doubt. You also, you also, you also, uh, even the music you listen to. Oh, uh, what the hell are you listening to? You yeah, know? and oh, yeah. Uh, you get that, like, like. So, yeah, I mean, growing up in a black family, let's yeah. just put it out there. Like they're not you. I mean, like they listen to radio. I mean, back then, you know, the radio didn't. Play, except for like Michael Jackson, right. top, top. Stuff. So you didn't have a clean house. You didn't. Mm. Like I mean, like now you can get on. When did Magic stuff. Magic One Hundred Two come around? I think it was, uh, think it was probably what mid nineties, nineties. Mm. I don't know. I wasn't yeah, here all my life. Like so but I don't it, know. it was. Uh, that's a corporate station. Yeah. No, I, I know. I just. Uh, you had, you had um, at uh. Yeah, that's what you know. But at the same time, you know, all those all those stations were controlled by you know uh, corporations. Yeah, and so what, what, Clear Channel or Live yeah. Nation, or... you know, yeah. and you yeah. know, and that's you no. Know, it, it was like black. It was basically like black approved. Yeah. Well, not even that, you yeah. know, because the reason why I, did, I, I you know, because I did a uh, did a punk rock show. I did a I did a rap show. On ninety point one, yeah, yeah, and that show. That's the reason why I did that show was, you know, I didn't want to have any part of it. Really, I just, you know, I, I had guys at school at, at Texas Southern that needed to be, you know, they, they were into hip hop, and uh, um, right when they when a, a slot became available, it was three to three to six in the morning. You know, I felt that I had a responsibility not to just not to just do come on and do another punk rock show. Because um, I I felt that the music that was important, like Public Enemy and all that stuff, that was mm -hmm. not getting played on commercial. Yeah. Um, um, but they would play like your mama's on crack rock, oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know. But so I felt it was important to come, you know, uh, to my community because I was I grew up with 
uh, you know, quote unquote, um, um, black activist stuff. Right. And um, so I thought I thought about it. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll do this. I do this uh, hip hop thing. I didn't know anything about hip hop. And <laughs> you know, when these guys, when the guys, I, I guys I talked to at school, like, yeah, man, that sounds like a good idea. Yeah. You know, when you come up with something and you gotta do the groundwork, nobody's around for it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I ran into, I went to the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you said, yeah, yeah. But I went, it's hard to organize. What's so <laughs> You want to organize? You, you try to organize something. It's, you find out it's, it's hard to tell to do. You know, we're brown people. Yeah. <laughs> let's, 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 let's specify that. Yeah. Well, not even, not even like, that. Look, it's hard. Period. People together, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But when you talk about getting some brown people all in one, and they ain't a free, no, yeah. But it was, <laughs> oh, but, no, I'm, not, I'm just like I like I said earlier. I'm just yeah, that's true. I, like especially. Like I was 14 whenever I first met you, right. Rich. You probably don't even remember. Don't say right. I remember. Uh, and then I was. I was 15 or 16 whenever I first met you. So I'm just like, man, I want to sit down and listen to my elders. I want to hear about these stories. I want to hear what it was like. I want to hear, you know, what happened whenever the, the Houston skinhead scene first started coming around. Because whenever I talk to, whenever I go and play shows in other cities and states and I talk about who raised me, it's like, it, Dean brought me in, but you know, he passed away a few years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. But but Deirdre, uh, LaRonda, and Dave were the ones that, like, raised me. And, yeah. like, y'all are fucking black. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and, and so that, 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 I don't know, that breaks, like, a lot of stigmas, you know? But right. it, it was just true. Hanging, hanging out in this scene, this scene, you know, when I heard anything about skinhead, that was, um, 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 wrench of the skin. Rent you the skin, because not they gotta go back away. Agnostic Front first tour. Oh, Rent you the skin, New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. First tour, Agnostic Front went on. Uh, Maximum Rock and Roll had put out their white power band. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. So everywhere you go, people wouldn't book them. It's like, oh shit, you know. And uh, Ronnie Gates, Jewish, booked the booked the show, and he's like, oh shit, what am I doing wrong by this? So um, me and his long hair dude. And we're sitting out front. I got what the, year was this? This is like eight. Yeah, but okay. eighty four, something like that. Eighty four, eighty five. Yeah. And so um, I get there early because I got to catch the metro. But I said I don't have to ride. I either have yeah. to ride my skateboard or bicycle, whatever. Um, never knew what I was getting home. Never knew that. Um, we were feral back then, so we could run the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah she can't be catching a metro and just yeah. rolling out. Well, yeah, I stayed. I stayed. In, I stayed in, in, in the city, so. That's my dad was my dad used to drive me to shows. I mean, yes, you know, yeah. and uh, um, all these weird people hanging out. Uh, weird uh, white people hanging and, out with the hell. Yeah, yeah, and it was on. Like, it was on and and you, you and grew up in Cabaret. That's when Cabaret Voltaire. See, and oh, okay. uh, and that little, which is now a, a, a mortuary, little oh. bitty room. And when you go there, you see all these. Uh, you go to it's like so small and it's so hot and the cops can sit there across the street watching but anyway freaky, yeah wait for some shit to pop off but these guys drive up drive up in a van you know like uh and Vinny stigma goes yo is this club yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. You get out they get out the car yo i'm Vinny. that's roger 
That's Frenchy the skin. We announced in front. What's happening? What's going on? How's this, how's this place going? Oh my going? God, that's you know? so vivid. That, I <laughs> you know? can totally see that. And um, I'm like, oh, and we're, all, we're like, oh, fuck, you know, they're going to kill us. And the show went off and it was like, okay, this is it. And um, uh, Frenchy came to me later and told me like, yo, I started, I started Bash in, in San Francisco. I started Cash in Chicago and... Uh, New York scene, skinhead stuff. I'm like, oh, fucking hey, man, yeah, yeah. Like, this is cool, you know. And um, um, it really, it, it was cool. That's how I got into like the skinhead side of it. And um, I didn't know anything about the the whole history of of skinhead. That's when Ramon popped up. Ramon, because it was changing. Because it, it, when the skinhead thing first broke out uh, and really started breaking out. It got this this dark period where all these like these skinheads, people that you known for years, the guy was like friends with in church camp. He you know he came to Nazi hanging out with these oh, okay. kids yeah, and they were but fighting very people. heavy on the yeah. in Houston. Like, like, well, and that and that because that's another thing I wanted to point out. Like what we're an hour away from Viter, mm-hmm. we're Cleveland, uh, Cleveland, and an hour and a half away from Jasper. Yeah, yeah. so that well, Cleveland it, it, was a big. Yeah. I mean. Even now is like Hispanic. Right. Back in the day, actually, at one point, I they, remember they still being sharp, going out to basically driving out there to get into shit with yeah. some notches. I mean, like we're driving from Houston, our load of fucking people to go get into some shit with some white people mm-hmm. that we have no idea what we're doing. You know, that's how that's how crazy it were back then. Well, but, I, I wouldn't but, be doing that. But I, I remember, know Brad was never like I, down with that. I I I physically seen the clan twice in my life, and and once was in Cleveland, and the other time was Viter. You welcome. <laughs> well, I'm I'm just saying. I mean, you know, like because because like when I when I came into the scene, you know, I I came in kind of like there was a there was a couple. Of, I started hitting around the scene. So that was when 92, everything was popping off. At Lollapalooza, it was the second year of Lollapalooza. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I started going to shows at Fitzgerald's because I went to school with Andrew Leeper and Adrian um, Munoz. Um, and they were a part of Yoda's Love Child that ended up being Dynamite Boy. Oh, and Dynamite shit. Boy used to say they're from Austin, but yeah. actually they're from Clear Lake. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. So they went to, you. I Damn. guess they went to... Um, out there and they started I, I, well, and, no that's what you said was you said i'm from austin you never say you're a houston band because yeah nobody, nobody ever said that they're a houston know? band that was because really. king's x messed uh, or x except who what was the band that nobody ended up liking and they came from houston and for a long time people wouldn't sign like bands that came from houston well, was it king, x or king's x king's yeah. x were you know and that's another that's a whole other story because um when i punk rock that dude in king's x um, he had a mohawk, mm. and I was like, so I was like, oh man, look at mohawk. And I heard his music is like straight up rock and roll. Yeah. But they don't, they never got props, but they toured, which mm-hmm. is not a Houston band. They were a tour band. Yeah. yeah. And they and they were and it was a black guy playing rock music. It was just, it was it was so cool. I was like, wow, man, you know. So I related to him on that on that right, part. Yeah. He was a nice guy too. He's still a nice guy. I- I mean, I remember seeing them here in the Houston area, but I always used to hear rumors about that people, because of, because 
because they came out of Houston or whatever, I don't know what happened to Bam once they left Houston or whatever, but I kept on hearing rumors that because, you know, who they were, people were always skeptical well, like signing bands out of Houston. So everybody would go to Austin or say they're from Austin, or they would move out to California and say they're a California band. Like, like the Schmog moved out to California. DRI. Were, yeah. yeah. And that was, that was, that was verbal just, abuse, too. That was, just, mm-hmm. that was, just, that was a style. Face to face. Yeah. Because um, the Offenders were the best band to come out of Texas. They were bigger They were bigger and better than DRI and, and um, um, uh, verbal, verbal abuse. abuse. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, they, offenders, and yeah. people got hurt. They were punk rock. And when offenders played, you know, people got hurt because people were just so intense with those guys. Yeah. Um, but they never, they never really got into touring. That's what mm-hmm. held them back. A lot of Houston bands, um, they would say they're from Austin because the record label would be like, oh yeah, Austin. Okay, they know Austin's a yeah, music. Yeah, the capital. Blah blah right, blah. Right. Yeah. And because Houston bands never toured, mm-hmm. that's why. Oh, yeah, that's why that's people true. would say, "Yeah, I'm from Austin." Yeah, but let's it. talk about how hard it is to tour. We, yeah. we, like geographically, where we're at. Okay, so you know, you could drive ten hours one way and still be in Texas, be in El Paso, mm-hmm. but to get to the East and West Coast, that's but yeah, all the you, odds are against you, us. You gotta, and um, he doesn't get enough props for it. Um, Joy Shithead and Dave NBC. Were responsible for networking all these communities together mm. and, and Ian McKay because, um, like DRI and MDC, they knew all this. Oh, I know, I know if I'm in, if I'm in Houston, try to hang out with, right. with the people in Houston that know verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. Cool, I'll set up a show with those guys. Yeah, if I'm in Austin, hey, the big boys, you know, Tim Curry, they'll hook me up with a show, and they put that network together across the country so bands will know who to call. And who to hook up yeah. with, and that—that's that, how that networking of, of that's what that DYI situation started with Maximum Rock and Roll. I brought some, I brought some fun because I wanted y'all I to realize that. this is how we used to find out about shows. Exactly. Oh, this is like old scenes, yeah, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like we used to have to put stamps on <laughs> shit, put it in envelopes. Like this is like a flyer, you know, telling wow. you about beer fest or um, what is it, beer limpet. In Atlanta, right? And you know, like, yeah. one thing I'm holding has ARA uh, stuff on it, mm. and and I, I, you know, another reason I wanted to do this is, yeah, and stuff like there's this. there's books and th- and podcasts now coming right. out about the history of ARA and, and the and the Baldy's documentary. Oh, I should I'll tell you a little bit something about that. Stuff. Well, that's what I'm saying, <laughs> and, and so like I want to hear mm-hmm. that's the that's the whole stuff, right? You know, because. Um, Got to know because it's deans, yes, and, because, and we and, and pen pals, right? That's how you and we and that was a big deal. That's how we found out about record labels and found out about records. We really didn't have any, we had we this were like, we used to get our t shirts and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, Money I remember orders, t shirts. Oh, I remember going through uh, two tone yeah. and crash and burn, Frank yeah, and, and uh, burn, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And you were oh, about crash and burn, I haven't heard that in years. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah, wow. And this is like stuff from the ARA. Yeah. Impact. Positive. I was I was lucky also Foundation. because at the same time as Zines go, um, mm-hmm. Jim Jim Bradford and Austin was doing no scene out of College Station, mm. and I went um, I met him here, and um, uh, that's how you found out. That's how we. That's how. And I mean, he, like, he you like didn't history. know what was going on unless you made a long distance call to like you had to have contacts to 
record labels to bands mm-hmm. to everything because it was like that's the only way you could find out what was going on in other towns like the like we have weekend fest and stuff like that like you would never find out about any of that stuff unless skinhead times came out and you got a copy of skinhead Times. and there was always like maybe one or two of us who got skinhead times so we would have to like everybody would almost like go over that person's house and be like what's going on like yeah. what's the gossip like who's going to do the next big show you know where is this band going because yeah. like you, that was the only way either that or you knew somebody you knew flyers flyers right and, and you talk about um you talk about skinhead times and and uh making long distance smoke calls mm-hmm. all internet stuff aside just making a damn long distance phone call was a big deal back then. Yeah, like, yeah, like because like, you had to pay for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was yeah, like thirty-five cents a minute or yeah. some shit like that. That was if you had a like a good phone deal. So, so talking about the the skin and networking and everything, was there a, a a marked difference in Houston after Agnostic Front first played? Yeah. Was there some influence there? Yeah, because you know I, I, I you know I. I I mean, yeah, like Brad Lynch can speak on like what happened like before, but I think because you came in in '92, and so yeah, I started hanging out in '92. Um, I lost I I lost somebody who I was dating basically the gun violence, and so after that happened, I met his best friend. His best friend lived in best friend was in the military, and so I knew about the skinhead scene, or I just knew about subculture. I was really lucky because. Even though I was born here, I lived on the um, 45 minutes away. So I had when next, was this? Um, I didn't move back here until 88. Okay. And I left Houston. Okay, okay. So between Florida, we, we were basically in Maryland for like... But also, okay. you know what happened during oh Nazi stuff oh, yeah. dropping off? The, the, guy from, the guy from California that I forgot his name, um, Metzger, I think. That's Tom Metzger. Yeah. Tom yeah. Metzger. Well, he he would pay people to go around the country and start these Nazi uh, skinhead scenes, like in um, Austin and and uh, L.A. and um, he was sending them all through all through the Midwest. Yeah, you're talking about New York. Metzger from White Aryan Resistance. Yeah, right. you, oh, yeah, had to, yeah. you had to understand that people these people really are as far as like how they were how they were because people who could people who weren't like street thugs and shit like that like smart what they consider like the upper crust of white people. Mm-hmm. And this is another reason why, you know, white people program everybody else is. Yeah. Um, you know, they say they're quote unquote white people, smart ones, become judges, to become police officers, things like yeah. that. But they needed people and go in and recruit people. Yeah. And the they need like street people. And so taking the whole um taking the whole blueprint from what was coming from yeah. in the seventies. Right. And, you know, in National Front, stuff like that, they started recruiting. And they were bound, they were bound beer. They had, they had, they had money behind them because they were bound beer. They never had money because they would buy them, they'd buy them equipment, they would have them start up bands, you know, all this kind of stuff. People don't realize like how organized this, this, this whole thing was out of like them bringing, when the skinhead scene started, like it started in the what, 88? Well, I mean, it, was, it, it started, yeah, like 80. Yeah. I mean, you, can go, you can go like actually 70, right. something like that. You want to really. You know, but it was New full York. on and popping. Mostly New York. It was full on and popping by 88, yeah. 89. That's when you started seeing ARA come in. That's when you started seeing all of the stuff. The but media so by, stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so by the time I got into it and stuff like that, um, um, 
my my boyfriend who after he died and I met his best friend, he was outside of Dallas. So Dallas had a big, you know, hammer skin problem. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so he Confederate mixed it, hammer skins. Yeah. So he used to mix it up in the streets and do dirt there. Well, he got into a little bit of trouble. Um, and it was a part of an incident, but because he was military, basically got out. Mm. Um, and he disappeared from the incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got so, you. but it made him from a lifer to career military. Right. So, because of them getting him out of, but um, you know, that's how I kind of like really decided to get into it. Is that um, when I graduated from high school in four, I wanted I ended up going back up to D.C. because I was lucky. I, I had a next door neighbor who had like you know the trouble kid who would come over his aunt's house and spend mm. the spend the summer in the suburbs of you know of like Maryland. And he was from D.C. He was a D.C. kid. And back D.C. in the 80s was not a nice place to live. Yeah. It was. It's not now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, they got like multi-million dollar fucking brownstones and right. shit. But it's still not like an awesome place to live. But, you know, it was really dangerous back then. Like you did not let the the sun um, come down on you hmm. in D.C. And so. Wait, so D.C. was like a sundown town? Well, no, no, I mean, no, like, yeah. he just didn't want to be there. Sundown yeah, okay. was here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that's, Sugar, that's Sugar Land, Sugar Land, all that stuff like that, yeah. Really? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Sundown anything laws. that was, yeah, anything that was beyond, like, what, Stafford? Going yeah, out to Stafford. Everything yeah. outside of Houston, yeah. Houston was Sundown yeah. If you, yeah. yeah, if you weren't really close to the end of part of Houston, yeah. don't let your ass be caught out, like, yeah. out anywhere past that because so. that's what the the whitewash skins had a little compound in richmond or rosenberg yeah right? yeah, yeah. That, i think it was rosenberg it was but because it took, rosenberg my, it took money to fund all that stuff that's why i always said like yeah i mean know. it was calculated yeah. over the years and the, and the thing was by the time i got into the scene um probably around but when i went back up to maryland this is how i got into the aras because when I graduated in 94, I went back up to Maryland and spent like three months because my mom was working out of Maryland. And so went back up there, hooked up with a whole bunch of old friends from when I used to live there. And I remember going to a show at, I think it was 930 Club or something like that in D.C. Mm. And I ran into Dickie from the Mighty Mighty Boston's because they were blowing up at the time. And um, you said this was 92? Yeah. Yeah. And um, they were blowing up at the time. They were playing a lot of shows in Boston at some place called like a middle something or whatever. But anyway, he didn't. they didn't play that night. I don't know why he was there. It was him and a couple other people. Because at this point, I had never met. I didn't know who these people looked like. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, I mean, I don't think they were even on MTV at, in 92. So um, I didn't know who this dude was, you know. But I knew because people were talking to so I knew it was important. So, um, and here me and my friend who has no idea what the hell, I didn't drag her to this fucking show. We're in the middle of fucking DC We're in, at night. It's dangerous as hell. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't even know where in the hell I'm at, but I heard there was a good show going on. So I decided to go head on out there because you know, I'm bald. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I take this little suburban night, you know, Germantown, you know, girl with me out to fucking DC. Ended up running to Dickie. Dickie gave me his number. And for years, we actually stayed in contact a lot because he, um, because it was funny because Mighty Mighty Boston's, we were one of the rare cities that they would actually spend like an extra day with us here mm -hmm. or do two shows here or they would come on a tour twice here because that's how much Dickie loved like coming to Houston. Yeah. 
Um, and so um, I stayed in touch with him, but he got me in contact with a guy called, I think his name was Matt from Colorado, and he ran the ARA out there. And so ended up, you know, I think I might have talked to like Gator um, and a few other people, you know, over the years, just, just working with the ARA. I never worked with the local chapter here in Houston, which is kind of weird, but I was always involved with the chapters. Well, from what I understand, it was a little bit different here because whenever I first started going to shows, I was doing uh, a little distro at, at shows mm -hmm. and it was all ARA stuff and and um, animal rights things and just scenes, right. interviews with bands and stuff like that. And I would send all the money to uh, ARA Houston and it wasn't... It wasn't as skinhead heavy as like other chapters. Right. Here, the ARA here was a bunch of like patchouli, hippie yeah. kind of people. I think the only like. It was the gutter punk kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and it, and it was okay. It was just, I never resonated with most of the people who ran the ARA. I didn't say that I wasn't involved, but, you know, I just didn't resonate with it because I was. I was a shenanigans, you know, yeah, street yeah. fighting, you know, skinhead. And they were just Direct like, action. we don't believe in yeah. violence. Yeah, and yeah, I'm just yeah, like, no, I'm going to kick a fucking Nazi's ass. I'm yeah. going to slap the fuck out of him, yeah. you know? And so um, I don't think that resonated with like our AR. So yeah. I kind of, I didn't really, most of my contact and most of the stuff that I did with ARA was like either through the Colorado chapter. Um, and at that point, Dickie was blowing up. So it was like, it was hard to get in touch with them because it's like, they don't have cell phones back yeah. then. Yeah. Hey, I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's out on the road and stuff like that. So when he was either here in Houston or back in California, um, you know, that's when we would get back in touch with each other. Shit, they started doing Lollapalooza around then. Yeah. Not too long after that right. or something. Yeah. Because I went to Lollapalooza in 92 because 92 was, everything was fucking popping off. The like The one here? Yeah, out in Rosenberg. That was, that was dope, dude. The one yeah. I know about is the only one I went to is Baytown. Yeah, Sam, oh, Sam yeah, Houston yeah, yeah. Uh, Raceway. Yeah. 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 No, Lollapalooza and um, Rosenberg was called it, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Primus, Ice Cube. Um, yeah. Um, Pearl Jam. I, I mean, you know, I don't give a fuck. I'm a black chick. And I love me some, you know, what I I love me some Pearl Jam. I don't give a fuck what y'all got to say. Like, but that like, motherfucker did like such a damn good fucking show. It was crazy. I'm telling oh, I you. I fuck with Pearl Jam. I'm telling you, out of everybody who performed that day, everybody walked away from um, a lot of police being like, who the fuck is that? And at the time, Pearl Jam had hit like MTV yet when they played uh, Lollapalooza then. So it was just like, Basically, um, after that show, everybody Cypress was... Hill also, yeah, Soundgarden, Jesus and Mary Chain. Did, oh, yeah, didn't um, uh, what got it was a guy in Pearl Jam that was in the hardcore band in New York, out of New York. No, he was in, he was in um, he was in Shelter. Mm -hmm. Wait, yeah. which which uh, dude for Pearl Jam? Yeah, damn, uh, no, mm -mm, no, 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 I no, 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 Oh, yeah, he's yeah, been straight edge guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, well, uh, he, he, I mean, on. I saw Rage Against the Machine and um, at, um, not Axiom, um, at the Vatican. Hmm? At the Vatican, 92. Holy shit. Yeah, I saw Rage Against the Machine. I, I, Who it was just so, that? It would just so, so happen. I don't even know. You see, back in the day, we used to just go to venues. 
Like, yeah, yeah. it wasn't like you just went to go see a fucking band. It was like nothing else to fucking do in Houston. So you just show up at Fitzgerald's. Like, sometimes I'll go see Government Mule and be like, he's old. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, but you would just show up and just hope that something was popping off and yeah. having fun. Like, I saw two live crew one night. Oh, and, you know, and I didn't even know. Yeah. Well, which, just... one, which one did you go to? I, I, I couldn't even it, they, they played you. at Fitzgerald's. No, it was the one at the Vatican. That one was that, that was, was insane. That was that insane was, too. That was off the Both hood. times it was just like I saw like, all, the, all, the, all the girls were in oh, the back, shit. like going. Huh, I can't believe they're having this. All the guys were up front. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like watching that booty shake. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was, I was horrified. It was, it was a crazy, was like, it was a crazy scene. I mean, yeah, it was. It, it was like, wow, this is too live crew, huh? It, <laughs> okay. Yeah. It was a yeah. little bit dangerous for a black girl to be up in there just like rolling yeah, through there. Yeah. And I, and I definitely wasn't that black and I'm into that. Yeah. So I really kind of had to like, I had to dip out of there really quick, but I ended up working and I had no idea that body count was playing. And I just got called up and they were just like, Hey, can you work the show this weekend? And I'm a teenager. You gotta realize, <laughs> I was working at Fitzgerald's and I was working at um, Vatican when I was like 16, 17 Do, years what? old. Like anything, kicking yeah, people out. Yeah, yeah. yeah like okay. just doing anything, like stage control. Like I mean, they just let anybody fuck up. I mean, like Roach, <laughs> like Roach, J Jesse Flores, James. 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 I mean, they, I mean, yeah, yeah. They, this was like basically they would pay us in drinks, <laughs> and that you can come and see the show. Like yeah. I mean, like Fish Gerald's. I don't think I ever got a dime from Barbara. Yeah. It was like, bitch, you can get in, okay? All right, you can get in and maybe get a couple of beers. Like you can get a couple of Mickey's. Yeah. Like don't oh, ask the little Mickey grenade. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't for anything expensive like yeah. you get a couple of mickey you can have all the mickeys you want for the evening or whatever like you just run the show but that's basically with like roach donnie all of us like you know at fitzgerald's denisa ended up over time running and and starting to and donnie, you know, was, was donnie, donnie was in river phoenix right yeah river phoenix back yeah. in the yeah. day and he, was, phoenix, he was the yeah. first drummer of liberty and justice oh really yeah really? yeah yeah, yeah. Look at y'all picking up, he picking was, my little ace up. You know, <laughs> well, and then that, you know, now he's on the road with Joan Jett. He's right. he's oh, big, he's doing that now? so yeah, wow, that's good. But Be that back. that dude, uh, well, I forgot what we called before River. Yeah, that's what they were called. Yeah, they, they were called they came, River Phoenix. They, they had that. Phoenix TX. Yeah. Yeah, but because the, River Phoenix died, and they, they actually got a cease and assist. Yeah. From the um, family? From from whatever his estate is yeah. or whatever. And we just like, clue when they started blowing up. And, they started um, blowing up, and, though. And what did they do? They moved out. They moved to Austin. Exactly. Yeah. You get yeah. fine, just like everybody else does. Because yeah. that's what, yeah. that's what you, you. That's what you. You do. have more. Yeah. You have more. You have more shows there. You have more clubs, so you got more visibility. Yeah, I mean, know. you know, you got to realize that Houston only had two clubs that you could play: Vatican, and then the Vatican went away for like maybe like a year or something and changed hands, and then there was the Abyss. Well, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Emos. And then Emos, yeah, mm -hmm. Emos. The Abyss but was Emos did a lot of like local people. They did a lot. But they of, did. Yeah, we had a lot of shit. We had Naked Ray again. Yeah. There. Um, but like um, Allison from Manhole yeah. would pay there. Um, like, you know, because you got to remember you had Sprawl, you had the Schmog, you had Taste of Garlic, mm -hmm. um, you had Lashley Kids, Rhino, or John Newton. Dinosaur Newman. I, I don't yeah. know how yeah. people know him, but, um, but Rhino, yeah, right, you know, right. played in. And so, Which like, he's, he's doing uh, 30 foot fall. He's, oh, yeah, yeah. He's doing um, uh, drum, drum, drum for, for Descendants. Yeah. Ooh, Butch hated me when yeah. we were growing up. But yeah, because I'll start fights at shows. <laughs> like, you know, like I would get into it and Butch would just stop the show. Yeah. And he'd be like, 
stop danger and like sometimes he'd actually call out my name yeah or you know he'd be like y'all i'm not playing until y'all stop fighting yeah. like he used to do these hissy fits like on and like we were getting in each other's face like after he'd get off stage like you need to stop coming my shoes like stop he'd be like shut the fuck you know like we hated each other for years yeah. like he hated seeing my face at shows but i mean but all of them played together so like yeah. if 30 foot fall was playing Tasty garlic was playing yeah if sprawl was playing Dishmog was playing or and they were playing with latchkey kids too. or something like that yeah. so you know everybody was always playing with each other and everything maybe every other weekend somebody was playing somewhere yeah you know so it was the community no, but yeah. was that? that that was a lexington deal there Oh, Sprawl House. You remember off of Lexington? Yeah, the Sprawl House. You had the Flower House. Uh, you had the Smog House. All of all those houses are on this on Lexington Street. Oh, oh shit! Yeah. Which is now yeah. a, it was now the Audi dealership. It tore right. house down. <laughs> yeah, it's you an know, Audi dealership. They, yeah. those, those houses had been there for years because they were whorehouses just lined up there. Yeah, and uh, nothing and then, but old and, school fucking and, rockers. It, and then all yeah all yeah, all, all, the, all the all the rice people started moving in artists. Yeah. And it changed yeah. the whole concept of that street, and everybody were musicians, and uh, it would be uncommon, not uncommon. Oh, and I'm gonna tell you, the they had, to the party. They had an annual you know? Halloween party mm -hmm. that was off the. But anyway, won't go there. Uh, oh, um, oh crap! And the house on Le Lexington that went on for a long time, yeah, yeah, probably well, yeah. well into the '90s, well into like yeah. late '90s, if not early 2000s. There's still people. I think um, Joseph S. Um, I forgot what band he played so, in. He's in the band. So I, oh, the Yeah, I was a young, young, young kid, <clears throat> and I went to a Halloween party there with Keith. Yeah. And Dean. Yeah. Dean so was you know that Dean guy. was dressed up like the singer of Wasp, and neither of us were uh, were were like in Halloween costumes or whatever. And I remember going, and, and in true Dean fashion, I remember going to leave the party, right? Because he's like, "Yeah, let's go." I was like, Cool. We're going to leave. He gets in the middle of the street and he sees Sean Wheeler. He's like, hey, dude, come here. And he just starts beating the crap out of Sean Wheeler <laughs> while dressed like the dude from Wasp. So it's like he's got this long hair wig on. It's in the middle of the street. I'm like, that's so Whoa. that but that was so us back in the day like it would be nothing for us to be riding down uh, Westheimer yeah. and see like some Nazis like walking up the walkway and we would stop the car in the middle of fucking where just lay him on the brakes just see a whole bunch of bald motherfuckers get out of that car dude <laughs> like seven deep like it's a clown car for fucking skinheads right just whoop somebody's ass jump back in the car sure. and then roll out in the middle of, it just in the middle of the fucking day dude yeah. and had no problems with, we'd be in the front of like where brazil's is right now yeah because all of that was like love street and stuff like that yeah, and they so, said that the, the, yeah. the skinhead place was on the next street over from Alexander. Yeah. yeah. At the same time. Yeah. yeah. And so we were always over there, but it's like if we saw anybody like just hanging out that was like Nazis, beat their yeah, ass, know, then they would come back and try to find us, beat our ass. You yeah. Know I talked about this the other day. Like it was so funny because you mentioned that on the curb. Uh, next to Catbirds, oh, yeah. it, was a, it, was a, it was a club. It was a, it was a black trans, trans club. And mm -hmm. they were big and they would fight. And where the where was, Etro is? Um, no, oh, yeah. no, okay. no. Um, Catbirds is right here, right. and it was like, uh, it was like a uh, a building right next. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. And um, like to the, the right. Of, to, to, that's where Anvil, Anvil is. Yeah. No, yeah. that's fucked down. I think this is like going towards uh, the McDonald's. Okay, right. Got it. So mm -hmm. the yeah, uh, got it. 
the skinhead guys thought they was it was cool to go and, and fuck with the trans. Those guys look forward to that shit, you know. Yeah. And they came and fuck with them. They got their asses kicked right there, right there on the curve, you know. And <laughs> like, I always gay heard people about did that. not play in the Manchester area. The, oh, black, like, the black, the black yeah. gay people, they did not play. They did yeah. not play. They whoop your ass. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I mean, you know, most most people who are in the subculture scene, like, we all looked out for you. So you know, like Stacy, everybody fucking Stacy. But he was like a closet skinhead, basically, <laughs> you know. But he was like the gayest man that ever existed back in, you know. But, you in make the punk it, scene, uh, are you talking about my Stacy? I be around. Um, Stacy's Stacy's like your. But like he does hair. Yeah, Stacy. Yeah, he does hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like I grew up. I'm trying to get a picture of you. Oh my God! Yeah, you have to pull up Stacy. You, but I know you know. Because right. he grew up with us, he was like he was kind of punk, but he was mostly just a subculture street kid. Right. And like, but he whooped your Like, if that's the one thing, but people didn't realize that we might have we all grew up together. Oh yeah, there's Stacy right there. Oh, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like Donnie and all them, all the people I hang out with were like skater kids. So you had skater kids, you had golf kids, you hung up at numbers. I grew up basically out of numbers too um i who dick shepherd used to call me disco skin dick shepherd <laughs> because i used to dance on top of the speaker i had numbers he used to call me disco skin it was funny anyway and um so yeah but i mean all of us grew up together so people would come down here or people would be at a show and start some shit and not realize like the whole club is about to work like, yeah, yeah. You know, like you start to mess with like a skinhead or a punk rocker or something, and then you see like this goth kid like in the middle of everything, like whooping some other dude's ass, and they're just like, what the hell is going on? I mean, I've literally seen somebody pop off, and we all just jump in, yeah. and then this person gets wide-eyed, like they didn't realize that they just called out the whole club, yeah. because people didn't realize that we all just stuck up for you. It so, was more united back then. Well, I mean, it's yeah. Well, it's always been that. It was like that last. Uh, it was like that back in the day. You know, we just all kind of stuck with each other. And kids like Stacy, who were like basically like gay, kind of punkish, you know, street kids. Like we're gonna protect them too. You know, yeah. like you know, I mean, I don't know how many times I went to heaven and oh, heaven. and Mary's and stuff like that. We had that diner. What was the diner called? I used to buy blow and diner. Not 59 Diner, even yeah, though I do miss some 59 Diner. Yeah. That was some good chicken fried steak. But anyway, I love 59 um, Diner. The, the other diner that was where um, you had Mary's and then you had that big building that was on the side. It used to be a diner. And oh, the guy yeah. used to run drugs. The guy who owned the place used to run drugs. Oh, I know that. Yeah, between here and Austin. But anyway, that's, that's uh, a I, I was going to say, like, <laughs> that, whole, that whole Nazi skinhead stuff, two, oh, yeah. thing, two things happened with that. One is the media. They they, they blew up all over all oh, over yeah. the country. Yeah. You know, skinhead, skinhead, skinhead. You know, I see skinhead, I see skin. So well, that's all they're the, covering. And and well, yeah. So that popped off. Second thing popped off is like the FBI got involved with all that stuff because those guys were a lot of those guys were getting into some really heavy shit. The, the, the Nazis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were really doing stuff. People oh, didn't they, realize, like, they were, yeah. <laughs> old Nazis. Drugs, just like a lot of other people, drugs back then. Not me, but I'm not, and I mean, drugs, I mean, like, they did it or they sold it and all that type right. of stuff, yeah. which a lot of other people were doing. Um, and that broke up a lot of that Nazi skinhead bullshit mm -hmm. because, and I knew people were Nazis, I had no problem with you. Nazi go to Nazi, but you know, 
okay, that's, that's your choice. But if you want to that, talk, that's always been a weird rad rich thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's, your, that's your choice. But, you know, you're going to grow out of that shit. And, you know, if you need somebody to talk to about it, I got to be there. You yeah. Know? And, and, and uh, there was a lot of people who were like that. I mean, like Joe Stewart, we got him out of it. Mm, yeah. And people don't realize, oh, yeah. like, how hard that was to, like, get get he's, them to let him go. He still sick eyes me when he sees me. Well, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, 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 to go wherever with this. But, but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but you still had, you see, I mean, you had a lot of fence walkers back then. Yeah. Um, and it was a big problem in for me personally, it's still a problem now because people don't understand why I'm so offensive or I'm so, I'm so guarded about a lot of, you know, about like not having fence walking motherfuckers at my shows, not having Nazis at my shows, not having these, what, 312 motherfuckers and all these other people and these, and you know, all of these, you know, people always had a problem with me not allowing Nazis to hang out at our shows because it's like, why do you get to have your space and then our space too? Mm -hmm. To me, that wasn't that wasn't right because, like, they're not going after other white people. Yeah, they might see y'all as misinformed, maybe even race traitorish, mm -hmm. but they they're not targeting you. They're targeting me. Yeah. So basically, you allowing them to hang around us, they might not do something, but their friend maybe giving information to somebody else who might be doing something. That's the thing that people don't realize is that I've gotten jumped over the years. Yeah. You know, when Spittin' Dan died, his fiance lived here and I was best friends with her. I had to calm down for two years and basically kind of stay cool because the FBI was just like, your information is all over white power um, websites and shit. Yeah. Me and Renee's information, because our information was in his apartment, which they raised, you know, which all these guys got all his personals. And so, so stuff like realize, that is still going on. Yeah. Too. People don't realize that's the reason why I stay the fuck out of Dallas most of the time because I don't even know who to trust in that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like back yeah. in the day, people don't understand that it's a very real thing. People can lose their life. People can fucking hurt. And a lot of people have had the privilege of not seeing that.